Welcome back, mummers. I have to say that this podcast episode is one that I have been working on behind the scenes for longer than any other episode. More than 12 months ago, I reached out to Dr. Oscar Serilac. Now, many of you may have heard of him, and if you haven't, your mind is about to be blown. This man is changing the way the world talks about what happens to a woman physically after she has been pregnant, given birth, and gone through those very early days of motherhood. Many years ago, he wrote an article for Goop, the online magazine run by Gwyneth Paltrow, on postnatal depletion, and it went viral. If you don't know what postnatal depletion is, we're about to go through it step by step. And what you will discover is, along with matrescence, this is the most game-changing understanding of what happens to you as you mother your children. Dr. Serilac is as equally committed to changing the way we support mothers as I am. This conversation, although it did take 12 months to organize because he is now a very in-demand man and has been traveling the world sharing his insights on postnatal depletion, although it's taken this long, it is so worth it. Please listen to this and share it around. These are the conversations we need to be having. This is the Happy Mama Movement, a weekly podcast dedicated to changing the conversation about what it means to be a mother and a woman in this day and age. I'm Amy Taylor Cabaz, author, mama, and former journalist. After spending 15 years chasing news and burning myself out trying to be Superwoman, I realized that I was chasing a dream that no longer served me, and since then have dedicated myself to understanding the transition that we go through as women when our whole identity shifts with motherhood. Every week, I will bring you the very best insights and inspiration I can find to help us all change the way we feel about this time in our lives and create a movement that allows us to honour motherhood differently. Hello and welcome to the Happy Mama Movement podcast. I am so excited to finally have you on this podcast to talk about postnatal depletion. Thank you. Well, thanks, Amy, and thanks for the invitation. Finally, we uh, get to sort of talk face-to-face, so I'm very glad that's happening. Yes, finally. So hopefully a lot of the mummers listening to this podcast already know what postnatal depletion is because we do talk about a lot in when we honour what a mum goes through as she moves through these years of matrescence. But I thought it would be really great if you could start talking to us about how you put this piece of the puzzle together? Because I know this has been from your own experience, not only in your family, but also in your clinic. So how did postnatal depletion arrive? 
Yeah, it's, it's quite an interesting story. I, I was, uh, you know, working in emergency medicine as a doctor, um, was sort of starting my family and was also uh, learning sort of family medicine, you know, doing the study to become a GP. Uh, and I was also interested in sort of functional medicine, which is kind of the medicine involved with our lifestyle, with what we eat, environmental toxicity. Uh, and within that kind of blend of things, um, uh, you know, I, I was just very interested in what was going on with uh, not only my own partner, but with a lot of the mothers that I was kind of seeing in my clinic. Uh, you know, with mums with the sort of best intentions and uh, really trying to do everything right and uh, and really being quite sideswiped by the pregnancy and by you know, the sleep deprivation and, and and certainly with every child, you know, it seemed that the the you know, the suffering or the exhaustion uh, was. Uh, going up, and so I, I, I could see a pattern sort of going on with this. And I was, I, was, uh, I remember around the time of my third child, I was, I was actually doing a lot of formal sort of training in functional medicine, and and, and realised, wow, that there is a real fingerprint of what's going on sort of biologically here. And uh, unfortunately, it just it's not really written about from a medical point of view, because. And it took me quite a while to understand why it wasn't, but I think it's just the medical definitions of what is postnatal are, are totally incorrect and really not very useful. Mm. And then there's not even a recognition within the medical world that having a child um, has really any outcome or difference on what happens in the years afterwards. And so the medical world are already sort of missing a lot of the uh, biochemical things that are going on and there aren't really a lot of diseases associated with postnatal so again you know medicine is very sort of disease based and it's not necessarily wellness based um yeah so within that so by you know i just sort of dove really deep into going well, what's actually going on mothers are not like maidens so women who are sort of pre children there, there is you know, little bits of research here and there but most of my research actually led me to looking at postpartum practices from uh old cultures because they seem to understand this potential really well. Uh, and so they had very elaborate things to in place to make sure that mothers didn't get depleted and were able to sort of get back into their lives um, fully functioning. And, uh, you know, we've, we've lost that cultural contact, contact and context, I suppose, and uh, we're all trying to work it out by ourselves and, and everyone's sort of struggling. And, and unfortunately, it's been normalised, this idea of you're just a mum, you're meant to be exhausted, your brain's not going to work well ever again. You know, it's, it's, I'm amazed what I'm hearing kind of thrown out there in uh, that sort of space. Uh, and, you know, there isn't a lot of helpful support for mothers or a lot of, you know, honest, non-judgmental support. That's right. And what I've found in my own work, especially in the research and study I do around matresses now, is that because we don't talk about it, because we didn't have a name for it until you came along, thank goodness, mothers thought it was their fault that they weren't coping as well as anyone else. And for me, that's the heartbreaking part because over 4,000 women have done my programs online. I know what they say to themselves. I'm just not good enough. 
if only I tried harder, if only I did this, this and this, it wouldn't feel this way because they didn't have a framework or understanding of the things that were happening to their body, their brain, their hormones, their cells, everything. They blamed themselves and that's so heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, I mean, it's it's critical as well in terms of uh, when you understand what's going on with the mother and they've really been uh, upgraded in a lot of ways. And part of that is that their emotional system has been upgraded uh, and they'll really take things a lot deeper than they would have before children. Mm, can you talk about what does that mean, their emotional system has been upgraded? I love that description. Well, um, so this is part of the matrescence. So, you know, matrescence obviously came from an anthropological sort of point of view and then moved into the world of sort of psychology and emotional well-being. And now we're seeing it, the term used much more in the biological world. And, and again, I love matrescence, adolescence. Mm-hmm. Everyone's been through adolescence who's an adult. And was it a smooth time? Not for many people. Was it a, a, something that happened on the 18th birthday? No, it's something that actually needed... Uh, a transformational few years, and it's all hormonally mediated. Uh, matrescence is is very similar. It doesn't happen at the birth of the baby in terms of becoming a mother. It's it's a transformational journey. It's hormonally mediated, uh, and there is turbulence uh, as a mother kind of gets into this new body that she's in. And what, what I mean by the upgrade is. When you look at what's going on biologically, uh, I believe matrescence is more biologically profound than adolescence. Mm. Uh, And it's just because during adolescence you're getting skeletal uh, bone growth and you're getting sexual maturation. So it looks on the outside more that there's more going on. But internally, uh, and and an example of that, um, there are more new brain cells put down during a pregnancy inside a mother's brain than there is during an adolescent's uh, brain in in terms of their uh, upgrade to becoming an adult. And we know what adolescents are like. They often, um, it takes them a while to get used to their new brain and and ways of operating with things. And so, so this time of highest neurogenesis during the human's lifetime is during a pregnancy. And so this is part of the upgrade there hasn't been that much research in terms of what parts of the brain are actually being upgraded, but the research that is there is showing that her emotional quotient gets increased significantly. Uh, her taste and smell centres get increased. And this explains part of these uh, unusual things that can happen during a pregnancy and beyond in terms of being very sensitive to sound, very sensitive to taste, or having unusual uh, cravings uh, during a pregnancy. Uh, and the part that I'm really fascinated by that I'm, I'm trying to uh, understand a bit better is a mother's stress response system gets upgraded. And what I mean by that is um, usually uh, a man or a maiden stress responses through something called the HPA axis, so hypothalamus, which is a hormone-producing centre of the brain, just talks to the adrenals, and we kind of produce cortisol and stress hormones and feeds back to the brain. And this is you know, the sort of typical sort of health stress response. Um, during a pregnancy, a mother gets all these you know, thousands and thousands of oxytocin receptors installed in between her emotional response center of the brain called the amygdala and her 
hypothalamus, which is a hormonal response part of the brain. Oh. And that stays there for at least two years. We know oxytocin is the hormone not only of child birth, but it's also of connection, of trust, and of intimacy. And so what I believe happens to a, a mother's brain uh, after the birth of her child is that her stress response system goes from me, is it safe for me, does it make sense for me, am I safe, to we, are we safe, does not this make sense for us? And if there's no context for that, that can actually be quite alarming for a mother going, my God, I care more about the world than I ever have. Um, I don't know what the hell is going on. I can't even watch the news now because, it, you know, um, uh, because it, no, I, I, I feel fearful about the world and, and I watch a commercial on TV and I start crying. I mean, it's just, uh, and you know, there are lots of variants mm. around what kind of goes on, but I think this almost needs to be acknowledged as a superpower um, to be able to, to to be able to think in terms of we, because you know, if everyone was thinking in we, we wouldn't have you know a lot of the problems that are occurring in the world. Exactly, and as the beautiful Dr. Athen um, teaches on this with matrescence, that it's it, without this framework, we don't allow women to see this as a superpower. But it's when we give these words to them, when we help them understand what is happening, then we completely change how they feel about themselves. And so that I, I love that this is a superpower. And when you were speaking, I was thinking of how many women have been, have feel like they have postnatal anxiety mm. because suddenly they're so worried about, I did a podcast just recently about this mum who said that she was, she suddenly became so anxious about the pool fence wasn't high enough, the streets were too busy, the traffic lights weren't long enough for her to cross the road in time for her child to be okay. Yeah. And, and it was such a, um, a failing, this diagnosis. It was such a judgment of her. But in your experience now, with everything that you've done in this space, and I feel like I just want to say thank you a thousand times for what you're doing for so many women and mamas, what are you able to give them when you give them this information and help them look at this in a completely different way? What do you see happens to a woman when she begins to understand what postnatal depletion is and what's actually happening to her? Well, it first starts with just acknowledgement. So that is hugely healing, you know, that I wasn't the problem. There's nothing wrong with me. So I think there's a huge fear that mothers have. Just so, you know, acknowledgement is, is uh, you know, you can almost sometimes feel a sense of relief in, in, in the room when uh, mothers are kind of getting to that sort of place. And then there's kind of a reframing uh, that, that you know, starts to occur. And that reframing is, okay, this is just my superpower that's just out of control when it when the pool fence isn't, isn't high enough as opposed to I'm an anxious mess. Uh, and one of the other, and, and also it's quite empowering. I think you know, this whole journey of becoming a mother can be very disempowering if there isn't the right sort of context or support. Um, and then there's kind of a lot of negative self-talk and then negative judgment coming from uh, you know, the environment and and, uh, and people who are just you know, giving unsolicited advice and those kind of things. And again, it's all very judgmental and it's, it's a very harsh space for mothers. So I think it's, it's you know, so it starts with acknowledgement um, and then it can really sort of move into empowerment. And then it's about, okay, I can, you, you can actually get your health and well-being back on track 
and really be able to use your superpower uh, in a very positive way as opposed to uh, being really negatively affected by it. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yes. So for the mummers listening, what are the, I guess, the warning signs, the telltale signs that uh, you need more support to help you move through the postpartum period. And to be clear that this postnatal depletion can show up years later, yeah. that this isn't something, it's the same with matrescence, I always say, this isn't something that stops when you get to the first birthday. Like you said, it's not. it doesn't happen when you turn 18. Yeah. This is something that if you're listening and your kids are four, six and nine, you may still be really needing some support around postnatal depletion. So could you give us some key indicators and what to do with those? Yeah, sure. So, you know, and you know, I like I'd like to put the postnatal definition out to seven years beyond the birth of a baby, just so it gives it a little bit rather than just the arbitrary six weeks mm-hmm. six months of psychological issues. Um and it's almost if you can understand how the dominoes fell. This is you know, my approach of how we kind of help the dominoes sort of get back up. And so my number one thing is just prioritizing sleep. Mm. Uh, we live in a culture that doesn't honor sleep and is almost a badge of honor for um, not needing sleep. And it's it's very and that's the great restorer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's certainly sort of my starting point. Uh, I think a really important thing to just name is also about how to heal the nervous system. And so uh, there can be a lot of trauma around uh, the birth of a child. There can be a lot of trauma around not feeling supported uh, and then just with with the exhaustion that sort of goes on. And so the nervous system is around just having a healthy relaxation response and giving a mother permission to actually learn how to relax well. Um, and then what does her toolbox look like for relaxation? And so I'm always talking about stress on, stress off, stress on. You know, this is our biological design. Stress is actually really healthy for our system, but we have to match it with relaxation. And so many mothers are kind of almost forced into this martyr role where they don't have time for themselves and no one's going to make time for them. And so... Uh, so a lot of my work is just giving permission around that and going, okay, within your busyness, where are we going to schedule some relaxation? Yeah. It has to happen. That's right. Can I just interject for a moment, I'm sorry, and talk about that tired but wired feeling we get in that state because I often speak to women and, you know, they know they need to rest but they almost can't. They sit down and they're whole nervous system and brain is so wired. They, they just reach for their phone. Even, you know, when they're breastfeeding their babies in the middle of the night, they can't, they find that they can't just sit there and breathe and enjoy it. They're reaching for phones, they're Googling what they should do with their baby's routines. They're really tired but wired. So that's what one of those symptoms, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's part of that uh, syndrome of overwhelm. Mm. Um, and so overwhelm is just where there's too much for too long, essentially. And uh, for mothers, you know, they're, they're a sitting duck to experience this overwhelm. And it has really negative effects on hormones and the nervous system and this whole world of social media and instantaneousness is not helping that. It's, I think it's really important that mothers compartmentalise the use of social media uh, and, and not have access to it outside those time allocated sort of time zones 
And, and just coming back to those some of those warning signs around what postnatal depletion is. So one of the big things for me is fatigue. So it's, it's, a, it's a key symptom. And it's it's a type of tiredness that's not relieved by just one or two nights good sleep. So it's a really deep type of tiredness. Um, there can be a lot of physical symptoms in terms of hair loss and skin problems and, and digestive issues. Mums often feel like they're reacting to foods that they didn't necessarily have problems with before. So there's definitely a very physical element to it. And then um, uh, this hypervigilance uh, and feeling of anxiety or things that aren't aren't right, that is way more than what would be appropriate for kind of what's going on around, around you. And, um, and I think it's normal for, for mothers to be tired for the first, you know, one to two months after the birth of a child and then with the correct support. But it's not okay, I think, for a mother to be feeling so tired, you know, six months, 12 months, you know, five years after the birth of a child. And so just because it's common doesn't necessarily mean that it's normal. Uh, and what I, I say to a lot of my clients is, uh, you know, 50% of adults in Australia over the age of 50 have diabetes. Half of them don't know, but there's 50%. So it's very common. Is diabetes normal? Of course it's not. But it could almost be sort of normalised. It's, it's just a very simple example of just what's happening in our society. And so postpartum fatigue, uh, poor concentration, uh, easily overwhelmed. So this is another key part of the postnatal depletion uh, syndrome. So it's not a disease, it's a syndrome, uh, is uh, very easily getting into a state of overwhelm. And, and overwhelm, which is where the whole mathematical part of the brain doesn't work very well. And you can kind of stay in this very tired, wide, very inefficient way of doing things uh, and just very reactive. So there's no responding, there's just reacting in that kind of space. So a mother's listening yep. and she's got goosebumps, tears, because that's exactly how she's feeling. What does she do? Does she go to her GP? And if she does and the GP is, because I've had this experience where the GPs that you're talking to are not holistic. They are not, they want to know a disease and they'll treat the disease and anything beyond that, they won't. So what should you be doing to empower yourself by going and asking for particular things by how can we help these mamas? Yeah, well, that's a, it's a great question and it's not a straightforward answer, unfortunately, because there's not easy access to the information. Um, but uh, I definitely, you know, so it starts with the acknowledgement and then reaching out for help. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really useful for a mother to you know, explore some of the mother wellness type uh, communities, see what other mothers are doing and see who they, who they are seeing. So there are, you know, a number of functional uh, doctors uh, in Australia um, and you know, all over the world, but you no, know, that doesn't have to be your starting point. You know, there are lots of naturopaths that are very sort of well trained in, in, in understanding about wellness. Um, you know, sometimes it's starting to see a counselor or a psychologist or a sleep consultant, or but it's starting that process of of you know, almost you know, putting your hand up and going, uh, "I'm drowning here. I need help," um, and not feel guilty about it and to accepting help is, is actually not an easy thing for a lot of mothers. No, uh, it's and, not. And, then, and then to prioritise the journey of or the transformation back to wellness, which isn't going to just happen overnight. Uh, but for me, the silver lining is that if your children can feel and see you addressing your struggles, 
Um, now that, that's an incredible gift to them you know, because, you know, you can't, you know, I, I think as a parent you shouldn't try to hide conflict and struggles from your children, but your children need to see how you resolve those kind of things in the process. And so it's, for me, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a win, 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 win situation when that's kind of going on because, uh, you know, even if your children are very young, they can at least feel a mother's struggles if, even if they have no understanding of what's kind of going on. Uh, oh, children yeah. are very resilient, so I'm no, I'm not so worried about them. I'm much more worried about um, uh, the mother most of the time. But uh, I think that that's a, a total gift uh, when a mother makes that decision, going, "Yes, I need help. I'm struggling. This isn't right," and st- st- start re- to reach out to these mother wellness communities and um, and through a place of non-judgment and deep support start that sort of process and so this is why I really love the work that you do Amy and uh, I think together uh, you know we can really help this conversation and one of my life goals is to make sure that by the time my children come to have kids it's going to be a lot easier for them and and, and hopefully you know help is turning up with without them even having to ask or to think about it exactly it, yeah Yes, same. Well, we share the goal because I hope that when my daughters and my son become parents, that the idea of matrescence is is front and centre, that we honour this as, as much as we honour the transformation of adolescence, as you said, that we really need to change this. Because like you, I feel that this will profoundly impact the next generations. If the mother's okay, that just trickles down in such a profound way. And actually, just re- just to wrap it up, just recently I've had this awareness because I found myself going back into that state of overwhelm, trying to do it all and acknowledging that my body was not coping with that very well as it does and yeah. that I'm going to need more support and that struggle of that decision. And then I realised I'm not role modelling how I want my children to, to honour themselves. Yeah. If, I, if I don't start showing them that actually mummy can't do it all, I'm going to need to get some more help in to do this, all of it, then they're going to grow up and be the martyrs too. And they're going to put their health at risk because they're going to try and be super women and super men. This is, this is the greater purpose of this, isn't it? Is that we're changing the way we honour ourselves long-term. And it's about the conversation that we're having. And you know, we're all trying to undo the programming from our parents and grandparents in terms of you know, uh, harmful self-sufficiency type I, I thinking. So I think that's a great sort of point to sort of bring up. And and you know, I, I talk to a lot of mothers who think they, no, they're not doing the perfect thing for their kids. And it's like, well, if all you do is that, say that this stops here, mm-hmm. um, no, you, you've won already. And anything you do on top of that is... is uh, uh, icing on the cake as it were and it's um and I, I think it's a really beautiful thing to sort of be moving forward going I'm not struggling for nothing mm. the, the intergenerational issue that mothers are sort of dealing with um so it's not just a, a modern phenomenon necessarily of you know, uh, depletion and and potential struggle with mothers but it's something that is amplifying with each generation and I think being empowered and, and, and having the uh, ability to be able to connect with others is very powerful. Um, and, and, I, and I think it's it's a very exciting time from that sort of point of view. And, and I'd, I'd love this uh, term matrescence to be 
common knowledge. You know, it's interesting when you look at the history of adolescence, the term. Now, it's not such a, it's, um, you know, the idea's been around for a long time, but the actual use of the word and, and hasn't been around for that long time. And it was mainly brought in to protect these 12 to 18-year-olds from being thrown into the adult workplace. That's where it first came from and, uh, in terms of, uh, I think, like the 1910s in, in America, that it, they just said, look, these, these are not adults when they turn 12. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> and so this is possible. We, we can do this. Yeah. <laughs> Together we can change the way that we talk about motherhood and what it means for a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's amazing and life-changing. Thank you so much for your work. Mamas, I will share all of the resources in the show notes for you to read more about this and just know that, uh, as, as we've said, it's not normal for us to feel so wired but tired and anxious and overwhelmed that we can change this on so many levels. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Amy. You see, I told you that this was going to be a conversation you'll never forget. Please jump online and have a look at the links I've shared in the show notes. Get your copy of the Postnatal Depletion Cure. Talk to your GP. Allow yourself to rest and honour what you've been through differently. This is so, so important. And please share this podcast. Pop a review in iTunes so more mamas can hear about this and change the way they honour themselves in this time. Thank you for being a part of this movement. Until next week. Satnam.